Well, today is Mission Sunday. It's fifth Sunday of the month, and we spend our time talking about missions, what we're doing at Gateway Church, what we're doing around the world. And uh, I'm excited to share with you today. Missions is a big part of who I am. It's a big part of my heart. Um, And I thought about this a while ago. Why is it that... um, why is it a big part of my life? I, I realized this. I grew up in a Christian and Missionary Alliance church. This is the denomination that we're part of. And um, when I was a kid growing up, we had missions conferences. We don't necessarily do those here, but we would do a week long with a missionary that would come and, and speak each night in our church. And people would come and uh, they'd learn more about what this guy or this couple is doing somewhere overseas. Well, that person spent the week in our house every year because my mom was very hospitable and that's where the missionary stayed. So when I was four and five and six and 10 and 12 and 14, there was a missionary at our house every year for a week. And I got to sit and listen to their stories and I got a chance to hear what they were doing around the world and it impacted me. It impacted me in a good way. And so missions to me is a big deal and it's going to come out in my heart today, and um, we might step on some toes today, okay? It might be uncomfortable for some of you, but I want to challenge you with the reason why Gateway Church even exists as a Christian Missionary Alliance church, and then I'm going to brag a little bit. I'm going to brag about the things that you are a part of that our denomination is doing around the world, okay? Somebody challenged me couple weeks ago. Where's Don? I'm going to pick on you, Don. Where you at, Don? Don Stoffer. There he is. He said, you know what? We never give respect to the word anymore. We never stand up when we, pre- when we read God's word. So guess what? We're going to stand today when we read God's word. So would you stand with me in respect and reverence to the word? And then we're going to do another thing. We're going to read responsively. When's the last time you read responsively? all together out loud at the same time. Okay, I'm going to read the first verse. I'm going to ask you guys to read the second. I'm going to read the third. You're going to read the fourth. And we'll get to the last verse and we'll all read together. Okay, you ready? Practice your English today. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those end times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and into the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the reading of your word 
Lord, I ask that it would speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A couple weeks ago, I went to a conference called Converge. It's a grassroots conference put on by Alliance uh, missions leaders in churches. And we do it in Colorado Springs where our national headquarters is at. And we have an opportunity to hear from some of the people from our national headquarters about what the Alliance is doing around the world. And I got a chance to go to that two weeks ago. Uh, it happened to be in Colorado Springs, which reminded me, I don't know why I live in Minnesota. If you've ever been out there, it's a beautiful place to live. I, kept, I actually went to the national headquarters office and I was looking at all these guys' office trying to figure out where my elk head would fit if I were to move out there and work in that office, which, where I could sit. Half of the building, they get to look out over Pikes Peak. Wouldn't that be great? I sat in President John Stumble's chair thinking, this is a pretty good view. The guys on the other side, they look at a parking lot. I said, how do you get which office? You know, what determines which side of the building you get to sit on? So I was out there at this conference, and man, it was really great. And some of the stuff that I'm going to share with you are um, statistics that I heard out there, things that I learned, things that we're doing in the Alliance. And uh, I just want to challenge you with that today. And I want you to listen, and I want you to grasp this. It's more, it's more um, not necessarily preaching so much this morning as giving you some information, and then what we're going to do with that. Here's some statistics that they shared with us. The Christian and Missionary Alliance in Hong Kong, which has its own separate governing body, has sent out 140 missionaries. Now that's not the Alliance sending missionaries to Hong Kong. We've sent missionaries to Hong Kong, and I'll explain that a little more, but Hong Kong in itself has sent out 140 missionaries. Zaire, which was known as the Congo, it's a large country in Africa, has 1.5 million Alliance believers. And I'm going to share some more of that information with you as well. By the way, there's 500,000 Alliance believers in the United States. Three times as large as we are here in Zaire, one country in Africa. Every four seconds, someone comes to know Christ through some Alliance worker, Alliance church, Alliance missionary. 3,000 people weekly, weekly get baptized by Alliance churches. And we're starting 250 new Alliance churches every month around the world. Think we're doing some good stuff? You're a part of that. And we'll explain that a little more as we go along. When I say the word church, what does that mean to you? What do you think of church? A place you go on Sundays? A building you drive by? Or multiple buildings that you drive by each week? Maybe you think it's a group of like-minded people that you hang out with on Sunday mornings. I want to challenge you today with church, and we're going to talk a little bit about church and why it's important and why it's foundational to who we are and what we do around the world. Here's a quote from the vice president in charge of overseas missions for the Alliance. He says, nothing done in Jesus' name is more sustainable than the church. 
Nothing done in Jesus' name is ultimately sustainable without the church. When Jesus said he's coming back again, who's he coming for? His bride, the? The church. Is it important? Absolutely. Church is what God ordained to do his work. In a minute, you'll see what I mean about the church, and it's central and essential to all that God does here on this earth. We're going to step on a few toes this morning. Anybody ever heard of, an or, or of a, a phrase or terminology called parachurch? You know what parachurch is? What Joan just talked about is a parachurch organization. It's an organization that works alongside of the church to help churches. We have great organizations. Abba Christ Spreading Center is a great organization. I actually run a poor church organization called Harvest Ministries. Harvest Ministries exists to assist churches with short-term missions. That's what we do. There's all sorts of parachurch organizations. Gideons, what do the Gideons do? They plant scriptures all over the world. Are they important? Yes. Samaritan's Purse delivers shoeboxes to lots of places around the world. Parachurches came into, or, into existence because the church wasn't doing all that they should do. Parachurches are a good thing, but here's where they lack. All of those organizations that I just mentioned are dependent upon the church. If the church is in existence, the parachurch organization isn't in existence. They're dependent on the church for either distribution, implementation, or funding for their operation. The church is important. It's central to the work of Jesus Christ. If we don't have a church, and we're all just call ourselves believers in this community, we're not successful at what God's called us to do, is to reach out into the world. Christ said he's coming back for his bride, the church. Now that we've established this, we can move on to why we do what we do around the world, why it's important. And part of this has to do with your giving. It's tied into it. Do you know the average church member gives 2.17% of their income? These are just some more statistics that they shared with us. 2.7, 2.17 of their income. If all church members gave 10%, an additional 181 billion, that's with a B, would be available annually to do the work of the church. Do you think we could fund a crisis pregnancy center out of that? We could fund every parachurch organization. Matter of fact, they would be a part of the church. They wouldn't have to raise their funds elsewhere. Powerball a couple weeks ago was 1.5 billion, wasn't it? You all know that because it was all over in the news. Somebody said, wouldn't it be awesome if that were to be able to be used by the ministry? If we as a Christian nation would give our tithe, that would be added annually to the kingdom a hundred times over. Finances are tied to what we do in missions. 
Okay, I'm going to give you, and this is kind of the crux of what I want to talk about today, seven examples of missions done poorly, and then seven examples of missions done well. And I'm going to tell you what our denomination does around the world to try and do missions well, because I think it's important. It's important for you to know that, and it's important for you to know because you're given to our Great Commission Fund. We call it the GCF. Remember those pledges, those promises we took last November and December? And we had a little disagreement between Paul and I how much we were going to get. He thought, man, if we get 50000 we'd be doing really well. And I pushed to get 10% of our budget, which would be about $70,000. we are getting close to 70000 okay? Awesome. Amen. The cool part about that is I had a chance to sit down and have lunch with our president of the Alliance when I was out at this conference and share that story with him. And he was really excited. He was very encouraged that Gateway Church, who he considers friends of his, he's been here before, he knows you by name, is excited about that and he was challenged by that. Now lest we think we're really good, I'm sitting at the table sharing this story with our president, and I was pretty excited because, you know, we're doing great things, and, you know, this number is just an indicator of our heart, right? And after I got done sharing with him, he said, I, I know you don't know this, but the other guy sitting at the table with us is from a same-sized church that you're from in West Virginia. I said, oh, yeah, you know, what size is your budgie? Same size as yours. And he said, but you don't know that that church gives $250,000 a year to missions. I was like, wow. We got a ways to go. But then he said, I can't get my people engaged. They'll write the check, but they won't go. It's all part of doing missions done well. All right, we're going to talk about missions done poorly. Missions done poorly. Number one creates dependence. If we go over to another country and we support that pastor and we support that church and we take care of all their financial needs, we create dependence. The best way I can explain it is if there's another church in Elk River, let's pick one. Let's pick Central Lutheran Church. Great church, good people there. What would we do if Central Lutheran Church paid for Pastor Paul's salary and paid for all of our ministries here at Gateway Church? When it came time to make a decision about vision and direction for Gateway Church, who do you think would have more say? Us here or the people who are writing a check? Missions done poorly creates dependence. They become dependent on us. It's not a good thing. That's missions done poorly. Missions done poorly doesn't understand the local context. They told us some stories last week of uh, organizations and churches sending money over to Syria because they were in need of beds. Somebody went over there to see where their beds were being used. They were given to a guy down the street who owned a store, and he was selling those beds out of the store for profit. I don't think they understood the local culture and the context. 
That's missions done poorly. I got to keep this clicker with me today or I'm going to be rocking all over the place. Number three, missions done poorly makes our engagement the goal. You know, we are encouraging people from our church to get involved in short-term mission trips, going to Honduras with Robert, going to our partnership in the Middle East, getting involved in missions. That's a good thing. But when that's the goal, that's wrong. It's not about how much money we're going to send from Gateway Church because all of a sudden it makes us the focal point. And aren't we as Americans really good at making us the focal point? Missions done poorly makes us and our engagement the goal. And you'll see what missions done well does in a minute here. Missions done poorly has little or no accountability. Do you know that there are organizations around the world that take pictures of mission teams and mission organizations that they're not a part of, and then they use that in the United States to raise funds for their own organization. I actually had that happen with an orphanage that I used to work with. They pulled me aside and they said, are you gonna raise funds off of our organization? I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you're taking pictures of orphans and you're asking questions about what you're doing here. And I said, no, I wanna come and help you. And they said, well, we have some people who live in the United States who raise their support off of what we're doing in our orphanage and people send them money, and they live on that, but they don't help our orphanage. That's wrong, but it happens even in our Christian culture. Missions done poorly has little or no accountability. Missions done poorly does not establish a strong network of local churches. Remember we talked about church in the beginning, how important it is to have church. Church isn't just this place that we hang out together, we sing songs and we listen to messages and we give our money to. It is the central focal point of why Christ came to this earth. What did he say to Peter? On this rock I will build my people, my church. Missions done poorly does not reproduce. It doesn't reproduce. And finally, missions done poorly is unsustainable. It will not continue to exist. That's missions done poorly. Those are seven quotes from our president, John Stumble, about missions. And it's his heart. But then he turned it around and he said, let's talk about missions done well. And here's where I want to brag a little bit. Not because I want to say, aren't we such good people and pat ourselves on the back, but I want you to know and I want to be accountable to you where the funds that you are sending, the funds that you're giving, where they're going and what they're impacting. Missions done well, number one, sustains local ownership and control. This is very important that when we go into another country and we share the gospel with them, that we don't share the gospel with people have them pray a prayer, lead them to Christ, give them a Bible, and then walk away. That's not missions. Missions done well is self-supporting. They support themselves and their own pastors. It's self-governing. They create their own hierarchy. It's self-reproducing, and it's self-theologizing. 
The Alliance Church in Indonesia, which has its own organization, has a goal to establish 500 new churches in that country, Alliance churches in that country. They have 30,000 national workers and over 100,000 students in theology training. A couple decades ago, the Alliance was working in Hong Kong. Matter of fact, I don't think Dr. Alexander is here today, but Dr. Alexander was teaching in that theology school. And they came to the Alliance and said, we got this. We'd actually like for you to pull your missionaries out, send them to other parts of the world where they're needed, because we can do this on our own. And today, they not only self-support, but self-sustain, self-theologize. They are sending out over 140 missionaries in 10 different countries around the world from Hong Kong. That's the Christian Missionary Alliance, which started in the United States less than 100 years ago with the vision of one guy to say, I need to take Christians and their money and missionaries and put them together and send people overseas. It never really was a denomination. It was some guy's idea of how to fund missionaries. And now they've, they've been saying, we don't need you anymore in Hong Kong. The Christian Missionary Alliance no longer has any missionaries in Central and South America. Is everybody in those countries evangelized? No. But we have established enough churches, universities, and Christians that they can self-sustain. They're doing the work of the church in their own country. We don't have to send people from the United States of America to do that. That's sustained local ownership and control. The Dominican Republic of Congo, or Zaire, remember I told you that earlier? Not only has 1.5 million believers, but the Alliance Church in Zaire has a network of nationally run church clinics. A network of clinics, not one, a network of them in their country. They have entire school districts entrusted to them from the federal government to run entire school districts. The Alliance Churches in Zaire, Africa. They have their own university and they are teaching their own pastors. And they're three times the size of the Alliance congregations and churches in the United States. That's sustained local ownership and control. We don't need to be there anymore. Missions done well is incarnational. Now that might be a big word for you, it was for me, they had to explain it to me. It's somebody who knows the language, the culture, and the people. We don't send our missionaries over there to work with a translator and to share the good news of the gospel. They go over there and they learn the language, and they learn the culture, and they learn the people, and they live there. Missions done poorly, is our engagement is the goal. Missions done well, the goal is lasting fruit. 
missions done well has solid accountability. You know, there's all sorts of five-year goals established for our mission fields and things that they're doing with their finances. There's accountability there. It has to be that way. Mission's done well, and this is really, really important. Establishes strong networks of churches. In 1995, when the Soviet Union crumbled and we were allowed to send missionaries in, you guys remember that? That was a big deal. There were 900 evangelical organizations in Moscow alone from the United States. 900 different organizations. They showed films, they distributed literature, they had thousands of people come forward and say a prayer. But in the year 2000, which was 15 years later, over 800 of those organizations are no longer in Moscow. They went in and did their thing and left and they never established a church. The Alliance went in and spent time training their missionaries how to speak the language and then how to understand the culture and then how to train Russian leaders to run those churches. We now have 50 Alliance churches in Russia. Led by pastors who are Russian, trained in their Alliance Theology Seminary in Russia. And they're some of the most innovative and impactful church planners in that country. Because we did it by establishing a strong network of churches and not just going in and getting people to pray a prayer. Number six, just hang with me, I'm almost done here. Missions done well reproduces itself. I told you 100 years ago the Christian Missionary Alliance did not exist. A.B. Simpson, it was an idea and a thought in his head. We've reproduced ourselves over 55 times in the world. Doubled ourselves 55 times. The Alliance has its own governing body in each country that it's established in. There are they're called Alliance World Fellowship. So for instance, Zaire has its own governing body. The United States has its own governing body. Canada has its own governing body. But five of those Alliance World Fellowship teams around the world are larger than what we are in the United States. And 100 years ago, they never existed. We're reproducing ourselves. 22 of those countries that we used to send missionaries to are now sending missionaries of their own around the world. Not just Hong Kong. 22 of them are doing that. That's reproducing ourselves. And finally, missions done well is sustainable. We are the church. We are sustainable. We have to work through the church. We plant churches. We plant networks of churches. We plant churches that survive. 
I worked with a pastor in Lincoln, Nebraska, who was a missionary in Vietnam. And in 1975, the Marines walked into his office and said, you have a half hour to grab one suitcase and your family and get on this helicopter. He had spent 21 years in Vietnam, and in a half hour, he had to take what he could from that country. He left a library of 5,000 books. He had huge shadow boxes of just, he liked insects and butterflies and moss, and he had all that kind of stuff he left, was never able to go back again. Knew the language, knew the people, because of what was happening in the fall of Vietnam. Years later, we were able to go back as a denomination. What do you think they found in Vietnam? Not only had the church survived, it had thrived. Because we established local leadership. It wasn't the missionaries running it. They had trained their people to run the mission organization. And even though he lost everything, he gave his life for that. He was so excited to know that. He had made an impact with his life. Missions that is sustainable survives genocide in Congo, survives revolution in China, survives the Sandinistans in Colombia, Ebola in Guinea, the civil wars that happened in Cote d'Ivoire, and even in Syria. Syria's in the news today, but did you know that the alliance denomination has 18 churches in Syria. We have 18 churches with Syrian pastors in Syria sharing the good news of the gospel. Why are they there? Because you guys sent a missionary there. Last week when I was at this conference, the gentleman in charge of overseas missions showed us a picture and he said I just got this picture in my office last week and it's of a group of Muslim men in Kosovo you see they're tired of hearing what the Muslims are doing around the world and these Kosovo men are Muslim men and they're tired of seeing how their religion is being spread across the world and they're embarrassed by it and they said we need to find a different way we need to find, clearly this isn't the religion that we want. So one of them looked in his bookshelf and he found a Bible. And he read it and he said to his buddies, he said, hey, maybe we should find out about this Jesus guy. Well, this is literally two weeks ago. A group of Muslim men found an alliance missionary in Kosovo who speaks their language, understands their culture, is living there, and said, will you come and share Jesus Christ with us. The Muslims came to the Christian missionary. I don't know about you, but if a bunch of Muslims said, will you come to my town and share about Jesus, I might be a little bit afraid. Like, are they going to cut my hands off or my head off or make a YouTube video of me? But he went, and he shared the good news of the gospel, and 21 of those men prayed to receive Christ that night. And they said, will you come to other towns? And they said, no, we'll only come to a town if you got 30 people that will listen to the gospel there and we can start a church there. Because we're not about going there 
and having people say a prayer. We're about going there and establishing a church. This was literally within the month of January this has happened in the country of Kosovo. So why do I tell you all that? I got a minute left if I want to get you out of here on time. I said, I'm sitting in this conference and I'm just, I'm impacted by all that's being said and I said, okay, God, what does this mean for Gateway Church? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And it was pretty clear. He said, I want you to challenge our people with this. Think for a second. Maybe you've got to close your eyes to take away the distractions. Think for a minute with me of the person who took time to share the good news of the gospel with you. Who was that person? What did they do? They took time out of their schedule, their life, to share Jesus Christ with you. And that's the reason why you're even sitting in this church here today. Now my question is, are you willing to do that for someone else? Are you willing to be that person who goes and shares Jesus with someone else. And I'm not talking about here in town because it's easy to do it with your neighbor. All you got to do is walk down the sidewalk. I'm talking about going somewhere else in the world. The Alliance has 80% of its North American believers, North American missionaries are now in the 1040 window. The 1040 window is the last place on this earth that doesn't have a viable gospel. It's the Middle East, it's China, it's India, it's Russia. 80% of our missionaries are now there. Are you willing to go there and share? So I want to just give you the opportunity because I think somebody from this church needs to go. And, you know, our Club 345 kids are in here because we value missions and we want them to be a part of these sessions. Maybe God is speaking to somebody in third or fourth or fifth grade. Maybe somebody who's a teenager or a young adult or you're just starting your career and you're asking God, what is it that you want me to do? Where am I going to have impact in my life? Are you willing to say yes? I'm going to put you on the spot. If you're willing to say yes, I want you to stand up. Because this church will support you We'll pray for you and we'll encourage you and we'll send you out. Not as a missionary to just feel good, but to share the good news of the gospel with people and to plant churches around the world that will reproduce themselves. Anybody willing? Anybody willing to say yes? 
I can make it real easy and have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes and then it's less intimidating, but if you mean it and you want to say yes, yes, God, I will go where you want me to go. I want everybody in the church to see you because I want them to support you. God's tugging at your heart, and I don't want to manipulate anybody today. My door is always open. I'd love to share with you more about what the Alliance is doing, what it's doing for young people. Thanks, Nolan. Turn around, look. We're doing great things to encourage young men and young women to get involved and to go make a difference in their world. I think this is how we're going to end today. Nolan, will you come up here? I want to ask all our elders, elected, those who are one right here, Nolan. Those who are appointed elders, why don't you guys come up and lay hands on Nolan? Yeah. I'm going to ask Pastor Paul to pray. I'm ask God to direct Nolan's life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving on our hearts. I think there's one more person here. That's just what's in my heart, right? As Pastor Joel was, was praying. I, I just said to Deanne, I think there's somebody else. And it's okay. We want to stand with you. We just want to want you to, to be able to say this is the day that, that I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me and called me to the nations. All right, Kai, come on up. Ty, Ty, all right. Praise the Lord, all right. Let's give Ty a hand. Let's get him right in the middle here. If there's anybody... I. I do want want a picture, Joel. I think this is good. You know, somebody can take take that, Deanna. So, Lord, thank you for speaking to us today through this word. Thank you for the passion that Pastor Joel has, the anointing that is so strong on him when he speaks of missions, Lord. It is so evident. Nolan, Ty have responded in obedience to you. Lord, may they never forget this day. Mm. We stand against every work of the enemy to try to steal this word. We say the Lord rebuke the enemy in Jesus' name.
Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would anoint these young men. Give them a heart for the lost. Give them a passion to share the gospel. Begin even in the weeks and months to put on their their heart a, a people group. The 1040 window, Lord, that's, that's where we're going. Begin to stir within their hearts a people group. They can study about, they can pray about. Lord, as elders, as spiritual leaders here at Gateway Church, we, we take this very, very seriously. We lay our hands on these young men and ask for that anointing to never leave, to remain strong in their hearts forever. We stand with them. We're going to be with them. They're going to, we're going to walk with them. They're going to know that they're supported by their sending church. And Lord, what you started today, tenfold, Lord, a hundredfold, Lord. In the decade, two decades from now, Lord, we're going we're gonna to be able to name young people that were sent out as a result of this word. We proclaim it now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to leave you with this one final quote from our president. I asked him to give us something for Gateway Church, and he said, we are called to be an end times family, right? What do we call ourselves here? A growing family after God's church? We are called to be an end times family that carries the burden to share the gospel with unreached people groups. That's what we're going to encourage these young men to do. Let me pray for you, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we love you, and sometimes it comes out in different ways, and sometimes it's difficult for us because we're shy or embarrassed or we don't think that we have the skills and the ability to go and to share the good news of the gospel, but Matthew 28 says you've called us and commanded us to go. Lord, may you remain strong in these young men's hearts. May the fire and the passion for your gospel grow within them. And me, may we as a church never, ever let them forget what they're called to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.